0: the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we're talking with Vicky, and Vicki has a very personal story, a story that may be difficult for some to hear but uh, that's because Vicky is a survivor of sexual abuse. And so we're going to listen to Vicky's story today, but we're not only gonna focus on her story, but we're going to pay a close attention to how Vicky chose to move forward with life and how she has become focused on doing so. So Vicky, thank you so much for being a guest on Focused on Forward, and we're very anxious to hear your show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Um... I guess to start off, I really do hope that, you know, I disclaimer, quote unquote, if you want to call it, that I know that with a lot of things that are happening that have happened, you know, the the Me Too movement or something similar that it's come to light that a lot of people do share the same kind of experiences that I have but every story is different so I do hope that maybe my experiences and my story can help bring peace to someone else who is suffering or struggling. I am the child of a divorce. My parents were married for 25 years when they uh, were divorced when I was 11. My sister is 10 years older than me So being the age I was, I had to kind of accept everything that was going on on my own. My mom was a wreck, my dad had moved on, and my sister was dealing with her own life. I love my family. I love both my parents. I don't blame them for anything was a rough time all around. <laughs> um, my father remarried pretty fast after my parents divorced, faster than some of us, you know, liked. Um, And my mom, I knew, was lonely and unhappy. So she, you know, did what any adult would do and tried to find someone else and that person was the person who began to abuse me. Um, I was in middle school and my mom would leave us alone together and he would inappropriately um, put his, you know, inappropriate make his, take advantage of me. I didn't understand it at the time. I was young. I don't even believe we had, you know, gone over that. There's like, I don't want to say there's a curriculum with it, but, you know, a lot of even TV shows and all that kind of stuff addresses, hey, if there's somebody doing something to you that doesn't make you feel right, you need to tell someone. Well, I didn't, well, I shouldn't say I didn't. I was a very happy-go-lucky child. I was always happy, always smiling, always wanting to move forward and be very confident with myself. And my, what I didn't realize is what impact that my uh, parents splitting up had on me destroyed my self-confidence in a nutshell. <laughs> Um, you know, people weren't around anymore. People I was kind of starting to begin to feel like I was being forgotten about, being kind of pushed in the wayside that I was kind of invisible. And he took advantage of that. There um it went on for a good long time throughout moving. I moved from my hometown. Uh, that I grew up with and I moved to a completely different town right when I started high school. So I went to high school knowing absolutely no one, like no one. <laughs> um, and it went on all throughout high school as well. Um,
0: so you've had a lot going on up until this yeah. point of your life. So you yeah. said it, it started in middle school. Approximately how old were you when it began?
1: I was probably like 12, 13 maybe. Okay, um, so yeah,
0: that's a lot to take in. Before, before even that was happening, the divorce of your parents, the change of life, all those other things. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, but I mean, throughout it all, I don't want to say I changed. My dad pointed out to me years later that there was always there was little things that. He himself was very upset that he didn't pick up on thing with like my mom. Um, I gained weight. Granted, weight is kind of a issue in my family, so it might've been inevitable <laughs> that I gained weight. Um, but, And I think in my own way, you try to say things. I would say, hey, I don't like it that he comes into my room in the morning. Or, hey, I don't like it that he tries to wrestle with me. Or, hey, why is it every time I take a shower, he goes up to the attic? Yeah, so stuff like that. It got worse when I was in high school. There's um, a lot of spying involved. <laughs> uh, my. I don't want to get too graphic because it is a very trigger it can be very triggering. And that's the last thing I want to do to anybody because I know Understood. it's hard. You
0: talk, <laughs> so, you talk about this in exactly. ways that you're comfortable with.
1: Exactly. Um, so there was a lot of spying. He would come to my bedroom at night, even though my mom was in the room right next door. Um, I found ways to combat him. I used to sleep with a dog, I had a little chihuahua um, and I used to let him just, I'd lock him in my room at night, and he, and if he had to use the bathroom, I'd let him shit on the floor, so he would come into my room and shit off the stiff and the dog shit, like, I never consciously think I was doing that, but it made sense to me at the time, (laughs) um, I think it got to the worst part when I was, I want to say, 15 or 16, um, he started trying to drug me with sleeping pills. (laughs) And I'll never forget this one day where that happened. And the man who became my husband actually came by the door that day and essentially saved me. He had come over unexpectedly And I don't even, he didn't realize what was going on. I didn't realize what was going on Um, because he had drugged. I had been drugged with sleeping pills. And this guy at the time, my husband was just a close friend of mine. I had met him through an ex. We bonded when the guy broke up with me. (laughs) And since then, he's been the biggest support in my life. And been the person that's been with me through. And I love that. That's
0: he, nice.
1: Yeah. He even said it himself that he knew that there was something wrong. And essentially, apparently, everybody knew that there was something wrong, but I never wanted to say it. I never wanted to be the victim. That was the thing, it was being the victim. And it was the threats. I, I had a lot of threats. You know, he said, No one's ever going to believe you. And I believed that because I had tried to speak in my own way, and it did feel like nobody believed me. It did feel like nobody was paying attention. That everybody else was wrapped up with their own other lives, you know?
0: Well, yeah, because you, you mentioned earlier that you had all these different ways that you were trying to vocalize things that you were unhappy with his actions, his uh, demeanor towards you, and things. So, yeah. I could see how you may have felt, or would have felt, uh, perhaps overlooked. Is that a safe mm-hmm. way to say it?
1: Yes. He's a very abusive person. Well, not just you know, not just the physical abuse. It was the emotional abuse. It was the he still does it. He he did it to my mother and I. My mom don't know why still keeps this person in her life, even after everything that's happened. Um. But I managed to get through it. No, probably looking back on it, it wasn't very healthy to basically just live with it until I could get away. I've grown up now and I, I understand that what I did necessarily wasn't the best way to deal with the situation. The best way to deal with the situation is always to say something. So but did also, you feel like
0: you were out of options
1: at the time yes because there was well a i didn't think anybody would listen and b you know it i always felt like when it would it would stop and it did it stopped when i moved when i moved out when i went to college it's okay okay kind of <laughs> kind of there was still spying there was no more physical abuse he stops physically abusing me um but he would still i swear there was a peephole he found in my room and i taped it up i put a poster over it but he was still trying to spy on me inappropriately um i had moved rooms from upstairs to the basement you know growing up um And I would come home on the weekends when I was in college because I could work, you know. So when I was in college, I wrote everything down. I was going through a, you know, different situation with one of my close friends. She was starting to abuse drugs and I didn't know how to help her. I didn't know how to get through to anything else. So I did what I... Like to do, and that's right. So I started a blog. Yeah, I think it was a blog. I don't think it was a live journal. I, God, I feel old thinking about live journal. Um, <laughs> and I wrote it. I, <laughs> I mean, I wrote it all down because part of what I used to do when I was in high school, especially with this person, we would role play forward on over a.m we would just sit and we'd type and tell just type out stories and scenarios to each other um we even would email each other the whole document of the whole day whatever how many hours we spent sometimes it was 10 minutes sometimes it was three hours depending on the time of day and we'd email it to each other back and forth i have it all saved in my yahoo email still oh, like, wow. i can go back yeah wow. i have taken most of that and tried to put it all together and made it a little bit more coherent and you do not know how hard it is to edit <laughs> text messages <laughs> when to correct grammatical errors from when you were like 17. <laughs> it's, it's been a challenge it's been interesting especially because i was really into anime and i really we were super super like it was super you know weedy I'm just gonna say it what it was it was super weedy uh but anyways I wrote all of what was happening down with her and how I was feeling and how I just because I need to get it out because I know what else to talk to and then I just kept going and started to talk about what happened to me and I left it to the world of the internet because nobody was gonna read it who was gonna read it? Like, Why a random blog on the internet? So I left it there for a couple years. And I think I even, I put it to my Twitter. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. Cause I think it was in the back of my mind. I wanted somebody to read it. And I wanted somebody to talk to me about it. The person I didn't expect to find it and read it was my sister. I would moved out, I had finished college or it was my last semester of college. I moved out my house with my parent, with my mom and him. And I moved in with my two girlfriends. Um, I had known them. I had known one of them since uh, I started high school. She and I met in, when I was a freshman. I, we had, I was in choir. I've been in choir since I was third grade. <laughs> I love to sing, love music, love musicals, and I, we were at like an after school or Saturday choir thing, and I walked into the bathroom, and she and one of our other mutual friends was sitting on the floor, and she looked at me, she knocked the notebook over to me, it was a drawing of Trunks from Dragon Ball Z that my friend had done, and she said, hey, doesn't he look like a Timmy to you? First thing she ever said to me, we became friends, um, she's still my friend. She was in my wedding. <laughs> both of the my roommates, both of those girls were in my wedding. Um, one of them actually married my college roommate, which, you know, really cool. <laughs> you know? That's cool, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was living with my with the two girls. We had all worked at the same job as well. I was working for a pharmaceutical company that has now been. Shut down. <laughs> and my sister called me one day. She's like, "Hey," I'm like, "What's up?" She's like, "Well, I found a blog, and I read it, and I automatically knew what she was talking about."
0: Just so she hadn't even told you what the content of the blog was, you just knew the fact that she had found a blog. And it was yours.
1: She she joined Twitter. She said, "I joined Twitter, and I found a blog, and I read it, and." what else would it be i publicly put a blog on my twitter about what happened to me you know and i at that point i knew that the whole secret was out at least to her and my sister and i have always been very close even though she's 10 years older than me um we've gotten she you know she basically likes to say she raised me. I like to say she was my older sister and took care of me. <laughs> you know. Um, and at the time she was living in, she had moved, my dad had moved to South Carolina when I was 15, my, and she went through her own life struggles and ended up going down there as well to try to get better. So at the time she was living in South Carolina. I think she moved to South Carolina when I was college. I don't remember. Um, and she got kind of mad at me. <laughs> I don't blame her. I, I she had the every right to be mad at me because she did not like my stepfather. As she didn't like him at all either. She so, saw the abuse. She she saw the, the. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: So just to clarify, she was mad at you because you didn't voice or was she mad at you that that you had written the blog
1: she was mad that i didn't voice she was mad okay and i didn't like i said i don't blame her what you know like she wasn't mad like at me she was mad at the whole thing that every you know like what else the situation at the situation and Because she never liked my stepfather either. She knew what the kind of person he was. She knew that he was an abusive guy. And she was more mad at me because she was like, you know, you had said something, none of this would have happened. This person could have been out of our lives, not caused all the damage he caused in our lives. And I don't remember the conversation, to be honest. It's... I don't want to say I blocked it. I probably blocked it out, but it's I remember though hanging up with her, taking my laptop and throwing it on the ground because I was mad and I was nervous because it was out there. Somebody knew, (laughs) you know, some somebody in my life who was directly connected, who was not a friend or a person outside of my family knew, and she told me she wouldn't the only thing i asked her to was not to tell my dad or my mom because i wasn't ready i wasn't ready i i couldn't i couldn't do it and i got i just got really angry and i shut down (laughs) i know now it wasn't the best (laughs) you know once again it wasn't the best thing to do and um that's just kind of how it was. Somebody was in on the secret.
0: So, would you um, consider that to be like a, a, the start of a turning point for you, where you, yeah. because at this point you had internalized so much of it, and you were really the only one bearing this burden, and yeah. so now somebody else knew. So, was that was it? Eventually, it may not have seemed at the beginning, but did it, did it have a sense of like freedom or freeingness of uh, of the information because now somebody else knew?
1: At the time, no. I, at the time, I was really nervous and very angry that I had let it come out. I had something to you know. Because I, at the time, I had sworn to myself that this was just going to be something I was going to live with for the rest of my life. Nobody was going to know. I didn't want anybody to know. Apparently, all my friends knew that there was something wrong. Apparently, my husband, well, my husband knew that there was something wrong at the time. And because I always had wanted to say, I, I kind of this... I learned this later in life when I finally started to tell people. I never wanted anybody to know because I didn't want anybody to treat me differently. And apparently everybody knew and they treated me the same. (laughs) It's- So they were already there. You just just were not there. (laughs) I was not there. And then when my sister found out, she was in on the secret and I wasn't ready for it to come out yet because well I still I wasn't living at home but I still saw my mom once a week I would go over every Thursday for dinner I would do my laundry because I didn't have laundry at my apartment and I'd watch Jeopardy and I loved it just getting to spend two hours with my mom once a week watching Jeopardy I was horrible at Will of Fortune. I was better at Jeopardy. (laughs) I still can't spell.
0: That's okay. Everybody's got to have their strong suits. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And then um, I moved, my my husband and I moved out of that apartment. We moved in together. Um, I was still working at that same job with my two girlfriends, hadn't shut down yet. (laughs) And then I got a call one day from my dad. So my lunch break, I think. And he said, hey, give me a call. And I'm like, all right. all right. So I called him in my car when I was on the way home. And I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, you're driving? I'm like, yeah. He's like, call me when you get home. I'm like, okay. So, I, you know, you get that message from somebody. Hey, call me when you're not distracted. Call me when you're, you know, you get worried. Like, something wrong was it my stepmom? Was it him? Was it my sister? You know. All
0: yeah, you areas. know it's not your average conversation.
1: Exactly. So I went home. Um, I was going out to dinner that night for my husband's birthday. <laughs> we were all going out to hibachi dinner for my husband's birthday that night. So first thing I did, I, I didn't even change out. I when I worked at a pharmacy tech company, I had to wear scrubs. I didn't need to change out of my scrubs. So I just went to the bedroom, shut the door. And my dad told me that my sister's boyfriend, at the time, had spilled the beans. Uh, Ah,
0: okay. It was out. So now he knew.
1: My dad knows. My dad is a counselor. My dad's a psychiatric uh, counselor. He's uh, retired. He, you know, so... I don't know. I think the only thing that went through his head was blame because he, I think he realized all of the stuff that I was holding back that I never said, that I never um, wanted people to realize that I had been Ignored. I don't want to. I get yeah, ignored or forgotten about, and no, and I think he realized then and there that there was something wrong, (laughs) you know. So the hardest thing I had to do was sit there and explain to my dad what happened, and it wasn't like just how you and I are speaking. It was. He wanted to know what happened. <laughs> wanted to know the level of abuse where I experienced
0: it. I, I think I could understand that <laughs> if that was to happen to my daughter. I'd want yes. to know.
1: Exactly. And that's just something you don't want to tell anybody. I had always, you know, I had never physically said any part of the abuse of how keep it one to anybody. um it i don't even know no, i don't want to say that i <laughs> know i don't want to say what how yeah sorry
0: that's okay no
1: nope, i know i know just trying to get my thoughts together <laughs> So about what age
0: were you now at this point when you're, now that your dad knows?
1: I was my early twenties. I want to say I was 23. Okay. Which would
0: make sense. Cause you said you were finishing up college and yep. and you had moved out of the one apartment into another place with your boyfriend. So yeah, yep. that all kind of, that makes sense. 20, okay.
1: 22, 23, you know, early twenties. So my dad found out and He talked to me about it. And it wasn't a very long conversation. I don't remember the conversation we had being very long. But it ended with I'm going to tell your mom. And that was the last thing I wanted him to do, but he was going to do it anyway. And I got very emotional. I was never very emotional. With my family, in general, I was never very physically, like a publicly emotional person. And, you know, he knew me as what everybody else knew me. I liked, I was a very go-lucky person. I tried to be happy. I liked, you know, nerdy Japanese anime. I liked to sing. Um, I was responsible. And I think to finally have, especially my father, to see this side of me that I had never really, I mean, it was my dad, of course he seen me cry before. You know, he, um, my grandmother had passed, you you know, know, I was at my, you know, my grandmother passed, my um, godfather who was my uncle passed I think he was living in South Carolina during that time, but so he knew, you know, he knows what it's like to be sad. But to have somebody see that vulnerability side to you is is rough. Um, he even ended up paying for dinner because he felt bad. <laughs> he ended up paying for our dinner that night, which was nice of him. So he told my mom. I think he. I don't remember how many days he waited. I don't remember even if he waited till the next day. But he called her, and told my mom, and she called me up crying, and she was angry. And she was upset, and she came over. The house was a mess because, well, I just, you know, had a, my husband's birthday. No, we well, <laughs> not didn't end the hibachi. He came. People came back. You know. He, Play like, you know, did whatever. And we talked, and I finally told her, not in excruciating detail, everything that had happened since I was alive. Everything that she had ignored or not seen. Everything that was happening in the same house that she was living in. And I never. I had to deal with a lot with my parents' divorce because I was the only one there for my mom. And she, so I had seen her lowest of her lows. There was a time in her life where she told me, I had a real hard time loving myself. How could I love you? But having this conversation with my mom was rough. Especially she told me, She was also, um, had come across some abuse. It didn't last as long as it did, but she had come across, she had experienced it herself with my aunt's husband, (laughs) he was was a creep. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked him anyway. (laughs) And then life kind of went on. It was out it was out people knew and everybody started telling everybody started to you know my my dad told my my aunts and uncles on my mom's side yeah cuz even though you know my dad and my mom were married for 25 years <laughs> he so he's known really... these
0: people for a little while
1: yeah he's known these people for, even before my even before my mom my mom's one of seven <laughs> so And the only other hard thing I ever had to do was he, so my dad was still living out of state and I spent Thanksgiving with him and he took me for a walk and he just calmly spoke to me about why I never said anything. And I explained to him basically what I've said to you. And I don't think he's ever forgiven himself for what happened, because he, you know, nobody ever, you know, wants to have, see somebody they care about, go through that, I, I, you know.
0: Well, and as a father. um, And
1: as a father.
0: Yeah, you you accept a, a level of responsibility for everything that happens in your family and two members of your family. Um, and so that would be difficult for me to accept and to be able to work with as well. So I can, un- yeah. I can understand that from his perspective.
1: Yeah. And like I said, I've never, the only thing I've ever been upset with my family with this whole situation is that nobody ever noticed when I was asking for help. And that's really hard because I like I said, in some ways, I did. In some ways, I should have spoken out. I tried in my own weird, shy, aloof, passive way to, to do it. But basically okay. what happened was, well, I don't see him anymore. Okay. My Yeah, my mom physically Told me that she wanted to stay in in her marriage, but and I said, I don't want you to do that. And she begged me not to send them to prison as well. My dad wanted me to send them to prison, and I couldn't do that to my mom because, well, I I love my mom, and even though I don't, I she knows that it's that we don't accept it. We don't think it's the best for her, but it's
0: uh, also a very difficult position for her to put you in. It's an unfortunate request from her.
1: It is, it is. And I don't blame her. I'm not, I held a lot of resentment towards the whole thing for a while, but I've I understand. I, I don't want to say I understand because it's not. She's in a trap situation, and I wish she would help. She can't help, <laughs> and we're trying. But I think she's gotten better about it. Okay. Um.
0: So let's kind of recap here for just for just a quick yeah. second. So we're we're at a point. Where we're about 22, 23 years of age. Uh, your dad finds out. Your mom finds out. You have this long conversation. Um, And so how do we get from that point to the point where you begin to take ownership of the situation yourself, where you begin to move forward?
1: It, I guess, in a way, it's all just time. It, the fact that it was, no longer a big secret that now there was just this person in everybody's lives that we just don't acknowledge that he's there anymore. I haven't seen him since I've barely I don't even I haven't seen any But come in contact with anybody part of that life. My mom will still talk about it. My mom still talk, you know, tell me that he's being a pain in the ass, which is he has, you know, how stressed out that every, that entire side makes her. But and I was able to kind of move on. I, you know, was also dealing with other life in general. I lost my job. You know, I I had lost my job. I was unemployed for six months. I got a job I hated for three months. And then my mom helped me get a job at the company she worked at. And I've been there for seven years. (laughs) So, and I got married. You know, I adopted cats. I got a house. I bought a house. My husband and I have been living in my home for four years now. You know, but it wasn't until about, I don't know, here, maybe two ago, I realized that even though I moved on, even though that I, there was just this shadow in my life that basically was a shadow that was getting smaller and smaller as the sun rose higher and higher for me. I still needed to talk about it because it was there, but I realized that it affected me more than I thought it did. So I started to go to therapy and taking time, but I recognized that the stuff that I was suppressing, the stuff that... The consequences of me hiding it and letting it go and letting it build really kind of affected the kind of person I am now.
0: Oh yeah, and that makes sense. Suppressing it, it, you know, holding all that information in is mm
1: -hmm. is
0: not a a healthy response.
1: No, that's so. (sighs) I probably should have gone to therapy sooner, but I just never thought I would. you know you you never
0: yeah but in the middle of things you know do we ever handle a situation properly and especially in a situation that's as emotionally and mentally taxing as what you're dealing with um I don't think anybody expects you to handle it correctly when you're going through it
1: exactly and slowly with working with help I'm able to put all my thoughts together, put all the stuff together that I never really, I kind of pushed aside. Find things that I previously didn't think I would be able to do or enjoy. Like, um, I graduated college, I was gonna be, a, you know, I graduated college with an English degree. Ooh, <laughs> you know, it's that old Avenue Q song, what do you do with a BA in English? I work in an office building, but you know what? Slowly, I have come to figure out what I want to do and what's important. And what's important is I've got my two cats. I've got my husband. I do car karaoke on my way to work. There you go. I crochet a lot. (laughs) I love crocheting. Out. and I want to create and what did I go back to I went back to what got me in my trouble in the first place <laughs> I call it trouble but it wasn't really trouble was writing Excellent. and that's what I want to try to keep doing for a while I was trying to focus on a million different things trying to focus I'm such a scatterbrain but now it's like I want to write I want to crochet I keep doing that and okay
0: so are those things that help you with your own mental state and emotional state on on different days help you get through it is and be focused on forward
1: exactly it's okay it was kind of, del- I don't want to say a delayed reaction, but the anxiety and the, de- the, the depression. I got I, very depressed. I can get, you know, it, it happens. It, it hit me later, even after all of this stuff happened. Just so many things happen at once. And I, I finally came to a calm point where it all just kind of caught up with me.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you this, and uh, Vicki. <laughs> and this is a question I like to ask many of my guests. Um, looking back over your life experience and the things that you've gone through and the things that, that life has handed you, what's the one shining star of information that you take forward with you?
1: That you're not alone in. I wish I had, that you're not alone. That there's always somebody there that no matter what happened, you can speak to them and tell them what's going on. I wish I had done it. I wish I had done it. I wish I had even found a teacher or a guidance counselor or even just, you know, there was so many situations where I could have just t- told somebody like my sister. Okay. You know, I think back if I had said something sooner, would I have this life you know, would I be married to the person that I met when I was fifteen years old? Would I own my own house? Would I have my cats? But then you can't focus on the what if because everything that did happen led me to something that I don't want to give up. Okay, Even though it wasn't like the that. best situation.
0: No, you you took the unfortunate and you found a you found a fortunate in the experience. So that's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Well, uh, Vicki, first and foremost, I, I want to thank you for coming on today and, and sharing. Um, I'm positive that this was not a, an easy conversation for you, um, but I respect you for addressing this. And I thank you so much uh, for sharing this. And I, I certainly hope that if nothing else, that somebody listens to your story and they're able to understand uh, that there is a way around this and the importance of speaking up and speaking out. So again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you as well. And, uh, you know, just thank you. And yeah, I like I said before, you know, if anything is remotely relatable, maybe somebody, because it, it does help hearing other people's stories, especially if they've come out. And they were able to handle it in a positive way. I didn't, you know, a lot, I know not everybody's able to do that, which is kind of a blessing that I was able to to manage to, you know, have the support I had and be able to do that in a positive way. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, good. Well, uh, to our audience, if you're listening and Vicky's story has made an impact on you, um, here's a couple things I'd like you to think about. If you're experiencing some of the same things that Vicki's gone through, it's important to understand that you're not to blame to you uh, for what happened, that you didn't deserve what happened, and that this was certainly abuse and not a healthy form or expression of human sexuality. And if you are going through this uh, and you feel the need to, to find someone to talk to, Uh, There are organizations uh, that will help you if you feel that you cannot talk to people uh, close to you. One of those organizations is RAINN, R-A-I-N-N.org. They have a uh, 24-hour phone number that you can call, and it is completely uh, anonymous. You can talk to them. They have people there. You can chat with them, like a a text chat uh, as well. Uh, They're there to help, and it's a wonderful organization willing to help people who have had to endure these situations. So if you need that type of help, if you need that type of uh, assistance, please reach out, talk to a friend, talk to a parent. And if you can't talk to them, please talk to somebody. Talk to somebody at RAIN. Maybe they can help you as well. And so just a quick thought uh, for you guys as you move forward. And again, Vicki, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcast F O F, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on Forward.